Hello all and welcome back to Season 2, Episode 8 of the Pop Funk Project. You know, Keenan, I was just thinking, nothing compares to the adrenaline you get before a big race. You said it, Mikey boy. I do love a good race. But what does that have to do with pop punk music? No time to explain, Keenan. The drivers are fueled up and at the starting line. Wait, hold on. The starting line, Mike? Okay, I think I get it. But what Driver, about- Driver, start your engines. Fine, Mike. But if this is how you're going to do it, at least say it like you mean it. Drivers, start your engines. Attaboy, Mike. This week, the starting line, say it like you mean it. If you guys didn't pick up on that. We'll be joined later by special guest and friend of the show, Patrice Mulhern. Ready, set, stage dive! That was a surprisingly good sound effect, actually. Thank you. Say It Like You Mean It is the debut studio album by The Starting Line, released on July 16th, 2002, following their debut EP with hopes of starting over. During the recording process, they worked closely with producer Mark Trombino. Mark Trombino, that's a pretty familiar name. It is. I think we just discussed him recently on our NFG episode. Yeah, he's worked with a lot of big names. Newfound Glory, Blink-182, Jimmy World, Finch. Motion City soundtrack, a lot of big names. Mm -hmm. He's all over the place. At the time of the album's release, the band consisted of Kenny Vasoli on lead vocals and bass, Matt Watts on guitar, Mike Gola on guitar, and Tom Griskowitz on drums. This band has actually a pretty cool origin story, Mike. Way back in the day, the two guitarists, Matt Watts and Mike Gola, they formed a band in suburban Philadelphia. As we know... They're from right around us. They grew up in the Abington, Horsham area. They were jamming together and they started searching for a vocalist by scanning through AOL's member directory and emailing a handful of people. They actually came across Kenny Vasoli's AIM profile when he was 14 years old and invited him to join the band. I'm just wondering what was in that AIM profile that caught their eye? As a 14-year-old too, they were like, you know, probably 17, 18 he was only 14 at the time. What could have been in there? It had to have been something good. I wonder what his screen name was. Yeah, that's a great question. Like maybe something about that grabbed their attention. Yeah, like K Vaseline 27. <laughs> yeah, not to be too critical, but if their search had led them to AOL chat rooms, maybe they're willing to give anybody a try. <laughs> that's true. Although back then AOL was kind of social media. It was kind of all that they had. Yeah, that's true. And everybody was on it. So I guess maybe it was a good place to search for the perfect person. Yeah, I guess so. It would take another couple years before they brought drummer Tom Griskowitz into the fold, first naming the band Sunday Drive and then eventually the starting line. I know that there was controversy around using the name Sunday Drive because there was already a band in the U.S. with the name at the time. Uh, and so they made them change the name. How'd that work out for them? I think it worked out pretty well, but <laughs> we may never know. It's true. The band bounced around from label to label for a couple years before signing with Drive Through Records. They started writing material for this album in early 2002 and re-recorded a few of the songs from their earlier EP. 
In April and May before the album's release, the band went on tour with Brand New and Finch. And there is a pretty close connection to Finch that we'll see later. Mm. Following this, they went on a UK tour with Newfound Glory. And by summer, around the time of this album's release, they were performing on the Warp Tour. And they did lots of touring afterwards with big names like Real Big Fish, Taking Back Sunday, Yellow Card, Good Charlotte, Sum 41. It seemed like they were the opening act of choice for a lot of these huge names wow. following this album's release. Yeah. That's a Rolodex of stars there for your debut album. Pretty impressive. I know. Can you imagine these, like, basically high school kids grew up outside of Philadelphia, kind of hit it big, and then all of a sudden they were touring with all of their idols, essentially. This was July 2002. Mike, what in the world is going on then? Keenan, July of 2002 was a very exciting time for sure. On July 2nd, Steve Fawcett becomes the first person to fly solo around the world nonstop in a balloon. I'm sorry, did you say in a balloon? Yes, it was a water balloon. <laughs> now that would be newsworthy. <laughs> it sure would, Keenan. In case you're wondering, it took him two weeks to do this. From June 19th to July 3rd. Yeah, I believe he left from Australia, circumnavigated the world, and then landed back in Australia. And I've seen pictures of this actual balloon and his cockpit, and it's pretty crazy. It's not like a hot air balloon like you would imagine. It's more of a enclosed box that he basically lived in for two weeks up in the air while trying to navigate oceans and continents and... All those crazy things. Sounds miserable. I mean, we're talking about him, so I guess it was worth it, but I don't think it was super pleasant. I think there was a reason why he was the first. Yeah. Because everybody else just thought, I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah. At least not without somebody to talk to. <laughs> well, after one person has done it, I feel like it's not a big deal anymore. But like, where do you go to the bathroom? Like, is he peeing in bottles? Maybe. It doesn't matter, man. You're all by yourself. You can do whatever you oh. want. Yeah, you can, but why would you want to? You just le learn to love your own brand, you know? Oh. <laughs> it's, uh, sure, I guess. One of those human nature things that we kind of left behind long ago comes back. <laughs> I wonder if this guy was the inspiration for the movie Up. Maybe. Except I think... Could be. <laughs> I, don't, I have nothing else to add. <laughs> The next day, on July 3rd, the movie Men in Black 2, the sequel, Mike, mm. to Men in Black 1, mm -hmm. starring Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones, is released. Back in Black, Keenan. That's right. That was a fun movie. I enjoyed that franchise. Yeah, I think it scared me at the time. <laughs> really? Maybe not this one, but the first one. The first one I was younger, I remember watching it and the alien scared me. It was a little scary, that big dude who basically takes over the human skin. Mm -hmm. Very creepy. And he's basically just a huge cockroach. Yeah, very unnerving. I remember with this movie, I lived for the toys. Like, I thought the toys were cool. The toys were cool. You're right. I don't even know if I had really nice toys. I think I had, like, McDonald's or Burger King toys, but they were some of the coolest. Those are the best toys. Yeah, they were some of the coolest, like, kids' meal toys. They were action figures, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember those. Yeah. All I remember is the one line when he goes... Sugar in water. Do you remember that one? Mm -hmm. It's like when he lands on Earth. Yeah. Very creepy. Great 
movie theme song. Yep, pop it in right here. On July 9th, the 73rd Major League Baseball All-Star Game ended in a 7-7 tie when both teams ran out of available pitchers. Beginning the next year, home field advantage in the World Series would be awarded to the winning league to prevent ties in the future. This rule stuck around until 2016. I remember this one, Keenan. Do you remember that? I don't think I watched this one, no. We were actually in Walt Disney World. We were on vacation, so I could stay at my parents' said, Sure, you can stay up and watch the All-Star game. I stayed up so late because the game just kept going until they finally called it because they had run out of pitchers on the rosters and they couldn't complete the game. But I thought the whole point of baseball was you just keep playing until it's over. So you throw in position players to pitch. If those guys are out, you're playing with fewer players. I think I've seen some Phillies games where they've gone deep into the bullpen and they've moved on to like the shortstop who's pitching. Doesn't just keep going until the game's over. I was trying to remember in regular season games. Yes, that's true. But with the all-star game, they go through the rosters because they want to get every single guy in the game in the all-star game. So a guy will play for one or two innings. So my guess is not only the pitchers were depleted, but the entire rosters had already been used. And I guess technically due to the rules, they couldn't put players back into the game who had already been pulled out of it. But wouldn't you just field a team of like five guys out there? playing defense if you had to? I guess. It didn't mean anything, right? Because that's why they they put in the World Series rules so players would actually want to try to win the game because at the time it's just like, who cares? I'm not going to blow the second half of my season for the All-Star game. So Good point, yeah. I guess that was a part of it too. Crazy though, yeah. Those games are always really fun though when you start pitching with (laughs) guys who are not meant to pitch. It gets kind of exciting. They're just throwing it straight down the middle and... Hoping the guy pops out. I've seen that in hockey games before where the starting goalie gets injured Mm, and then mm -hmm. the backup guy gets injured. And usually rosters only have like two to three goalies. So then they'll pad up somebody from the stadium who mm kind of knows how to be a goalie. That's also pretty cool. It's like a volunteer firefighter or like somebody that's on call. (laughs) Yeah. They played like junior hockey back in the day and can throw on pads and stand there for a little bit. I think that happened to the Flyers not too long ago because I saw the guy interviewed on the news. Like He actually got in the net for a period or two and did a decent job, if I remember correctly. So awesome. July 24th, James Traficant is expelled from the U.S. House of Representatives on a vote of 420 to 1. The story goes, he was expelled from the House after being convicted of 10 felony counts, including taking bribes, filing false tax returns, racketeering, and forcing his congressional staff to perform chores at his farm in Ohio (laughs) and on his houseboat in Washington, D.C. So he's literally just making them, like, clean stables and run errands for him. What's the point of having a congressional staff if they can't clean your stables? Hey, I'm with you, man. I would have been that, that one guy who voted against expulsion yeah you said it was 420 to 1 right did he get to vote for himself i don't think 
he gets to vote. I actually read that the one guy who voted against expulsion was a guy who is facing very similar charges <laughs> of expulsion in Congress. So I think it was him like trying to stick it to them. Like, you can't do this to us. Like he was trying to group with his, <laughs> yeah. his guy. Wow. So I thought that was pretty funny. It was like a spite vote. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, man. Pretty entertaining. What is interesting, Mike, is this was the first time that somebody was expelled from Congress since 1980, and nobody has been expelled since. So that happened in 2002. It's been, you know, roughly 20 years. Nobody else has gone through a similar situation. Those charges, I guess, are technically illegal, but I'm sure people have done worse things and have not been expelled, so... Yeah, dude, that should be a slap on the wrist. If I were in charge, that's a slap on the wrist. I can't wait for the next big expulsion. I know, it's going to be big. They couldn't think of a better, like, cooler political term than expel. Uh, yeah, I don't know if there's a more fancy term for that. Do you have an idea what this James guy did afterwards? Like, did he just go run a car dealership or something? So I think he tried to stay in the world of politics for a while. I think he tried to run for other like congressional seats and other local things. Not bad. Yeah. He ended up going back to his farm in Ohio and he actually died in a pretty tragic oh no. like tractor accident or something. Yeah, like flipped on top of him. So kind of a dark way to go out. He just uh, slipped on piles of cow shit that hadn't been cleaned up since the staff <laughs> yeah. was relieved of their duties. Yeah, because his staff wasn't there to clean it all up. Yeah. Man, crazy how the world works. On July 28th, Keenan. Nine coal miners who were trapped in the flooded Q Creek mine in Somerset County, Pennsylvania, are rescued after 77 hours underground. Oh my God. Can you imagine? No, I cannot. I remember seeing this 77 hours. So it was a couple days headline news. That was like the big story of the evening. Yeah. And it was somewhat local in, you know, in our home state. So. It was a big interest piece for them to get these guys out all safely, all alive, and back to their families. It's pretty incredible because 77 hours is a long time to be anywhere without, you know, the resources necessary. But underground in a flooded mine? <laughs> no thank you, Keenan. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm i pretty claustrophobic, so oh, yeah. I feel like I would not enjoy that situation. Would you rather be... Oh, boy. Stuck in a mine for 77 hours, knowing that you would get out, or flying solo in a hot air balloon oh. around the world for two weeks, but knowing that you would, you know, land safely. I'd probably rather be... Oh, God. It's tough, because I... I'm just thinking about both very intimately right now. You don't want to do either of them. Yeah. I think I'd rather be in the coal mine, because I'd rather be surrounded by other people. If I know I'm going to get out safely... Then I can pass the time and, you know, chit chat at least. Yeah. I feel like being stuck in a hot air balloon by myself, I would not do too well there. That's true. It would just give you time to have like a panic attack every half hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For two weeks. Oh boy. You wouldn't die, but it would be like you were going to die over and over again because every like bump or wind gust, you would just think that was going to happen. Yeah. Maybe you're right, Mike. Maybe, um, you know, maybe this coal mine thing doesn't sound so bad after all. You know, get a couple of bros together, grab a couple six packs, and just let her rip. 77 hours? Psh, that's nothing. Celebrity weddings! Oh, wow, I almost forgot. We should get a theme song for celebrity weddings. Um, okay. Let's record one. Right now? 
Yeah, right now. Ready? Go. Celebrity weddings. <laughs> That's good. Keep Celebrity going. Celebrity weddings. Okay, and done. Okay. What if good. I did it like a wedding singer? Like a lounge singer. Oh, dude, that's perfect. Yeah, that's perfect. Like celebrity weddings. Oh, what a wedding singer sound. <laughs> that was good. No, no, do that again. That was good. I like that. Like, like Robert Goulet. Yeah. Celebrity weddings. Or like Dinos Bamoni. That was perfect. Thank you. Okay, that's our new theme song. <laughs> July 4th, patriotic. Very patriotic. Oscar-winning actress Julia Roberts at the age of 34 weds L.A. cameraman Danny Motor. They are still married to this day. Wow. Huge. Good old Danny Cameraman. That's right. That's what they would call him. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty good. I mean, there's still plenty of time for them to get divorced, but, you know, <laughs> yeah, they've made like, it a while at least. That's like, yeah, that's 20 years, right? Yeah. Julia Roberts, that's, I think that's an actress or a celebrity that everybody agrees is pretty good, right? Like, she's well-loved. I think she's very well-loved, yeah. I think she's at the top of the industry. You don't hear too many bad things coming out about her. No, not at all. What was the last Julia Roberts movie you saw? Uh, honestly, I think it was that one with Tom Hanks. It was called Larry Crown. Oh, yeah. It came out in like 2015, 2014. Yep, something like that. It's like he goes back to college and she's a teacher and um, they fall in love. Mm, love it. That's about all I remember. But that's a better synopsis than most of the movies we review here. So <laughs> I know. I think you may have actually gotten the plot right, which <laughs> I can't say is always the case. What about you? And then, you what, oh, you wait, we're not going to go. You're nah, whatever. <laughs> no, do you want me to? I don't, we don't have to. Do you remember her niece, I think? Emma Roberts? Yeah, Emma Roberts. On yeah. Fabulous. That was a good TV show. That was really good. You're right. I wonder if she's married. Might come across her name pretty soon. We'll find out. If we do any albums from 10 years later. Yeah. July 5th, Smallville actor Tom Welling, who, by the way, Mm. this is not the first time we've mentioned his name Mm -mm. on this podcast. It's not. It's, I believe, mention number two. At the age of 25, he weds model Jamie White. They were divorced in the year 2015. Boo. Yeah. Yeah. Never good to see a divorce, but, you know, Tom Welling, at the age of 25, he's young, he's a stud. I'm sure she was young and attractive as well. Turns out, Keenan, it's not always all's well that ends welling. Nice. <laughs> Mike, that was a super funny comment. <laughs> uh, these are too good. Oh, man. Well, sorry, Tom. We'll talk about you again in 10 more episodes. Yes, we will. So this album has almost too many themes to name, Mike, right? Mm. I mean, it's just so varied, so complex. Yeah, Keenan, there are a ton of themes. There are current relationships, former relationships, relationships that didn't work out, relationships <laughs> where she left you, relationships where you left her, and many, many others. Lots of themes. Tons and tons, yeah. But in all seriousness, yeah, it seems to be a bit one-dimensional, but not that that's bad. No, it's not bad. Kenny Vasoli did say that the quote-unquote meaner tracks from this album were specifically about one of his ex-girlfriends. He initially promised not to write any songs about her, but ended up writing six. (laughs) So he clearly wasn't able to stick to that at all. Though I would argue way more than that. As we go through it, it seems like pretty much 
I don't know, 11 out of 13 are about ex-girlfriends. He said that despite him not being that bitter about it anymore, he found it funny to rehash it. So I don't know. He was really young at the time. That's such like a immature kind of juvenile thing. But I mean, when you're a 17 year old writing these, that's got to be the freshest thing in your mind. Yeah. My guess is it's probably about, like you said, it seems to be more songs than that. And he probably didn't have many other girlfriends to write about, right? If you're that young, it's not like you've had years and years of experience. It's just kind of write what you know. So he did. No, it seems like he had one very serious high school girlfriend. They broke up. He started a band and then started going to town on writing these songs. <laughs> so It worked out. Uh, so who, who It worked out great. I mean, they're amazing songs. They're bangers. But it's funny because when I used to listen to this album, I would have never suspected that they were all just about this one person. Mm-mm. I never even really knew that they were all necessarily breakup songs. You just didn't really put all those pieces together back then. No, you didn't. Other than the relationships, Keenan, there are a couple other themes, um, some outliers within the relationship soundtrack here. And mostly those involve the thank you songs to their fans and wishing that you live somewhere warmer than you currently do. That's right. Yeah. And we've seen that before. Wanting to leave home, wanting to find your place in the world. I think it's a pretty common theme for these really young artists. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I got to say, Mike, I have to give a quick shout out to Brendan Corley, who emailed us months ago asking us if we could do this album. And we've actually received input from a few people who've said, we have to do this album. So I think this one is pretty popular amongst the traditional pop punk crowd. And with that, I want to bring on a fan of the show, close friend of the show, and winner of our Guess the Guest competition from season one, Patrice Mulhern. Hello, friends. Thanks for having me. I'm obviously very excited to be here. Welcome. Huge fan, as you guys know. Maybe your biggest. I don't know. I think it's safe to say Patrice is one of our biggest fans. (laughs) Full disclosure, Patrice is my cousin-in-law, right? Is Mm -hmm. that the correct term? It is. Is a cousin-in-law a thing? That's a thing, right? I guess. I think it's a thing. It is now. Yeah. Okay. And Keenan and I walked down the aisle at your wedding together. That's true. That's something I completely forgot about. But We got married right after you guys. That's what right. happened. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was magical. It was untraditional mm-hmm. wedding, but fun though. But Patrice was a huge fan of this album back in the day. Loves the starting line. Told us we had to do this album. We thought there's no better person to bring on than Patrice to discuss this. So Patrice, what is your experience with this album? When did you become a fan? What do you remember about it? So I'm known to be quite the fangirl of many things. And one of my fangirl misses is the starting line. I love them so much. I was a huge fan back in the day. I think I started listening to them in like 2004, 2005. So like seventh grade. And in general, the reason why I'm one of their biggest fans is because Kenny Vasoli, the lead singer, is a hometown hero. He's from Horsham, PA. Yes, he is. is. where we're from. Um, and he went to Happer Horsham. Not that I went there, but it's like super close to me. So, so I know this album came out in 2002, but I think I started being a fan in like 2004, 2005. And my friend Bridget and I would go to all their concerts and... This week, I went digging through all this 
all my memory boxes and things just to jog my memory and to like get in the zone. And I did find my starting line CD. Whoa, wrapped. there it is. And I think I did show you this, but Slipknot is inside, <laughs> yeah, right. unfortunately. Yeah, you found <laughs> the, the jewel album. case, but not the actual CD. Yeah. Right. Wow. So pretty bummed about that. Mikey but... or Johnny replaced your starting line CD with Slipknot. <laughs> right. Still good. But, but yeah. yeah. So these guys are they're my favorite pop punk band. They're my this is my favorite album on long drives. This is like one of the albums I always go to. But another thing I found in my memory box, and I'm gonna text you guys this picture. Ooh, this is exciting. I'm a hoarder and I found all these ticket stubs from back in the day. And do you wanna hear the lineup for some of these ticket stubs? Yes. I need to. So a few of them were like they used to have hometown shows like Christmas shows at the electric factory every Christmas. So a couple of them are those, but the group ones, it was 2005 fall Out boy was headlining and it was panic at the disco motion city soundtrack, the starting line Whoa. and boys night out. You guys remember them? No, no. I don't know. Who's that? I don't think I've ever heard of them. Same. And you know what? I I found all these ticket stubs, right? And I'm trying to like Google to see like, oh, who opened them? And I, it was so hard to find. I don't know why this isn't like on Wikipedia or anything. Yeah. Mike, what's the website that you go to to see their set list? Setlist.com? Uh, Setlist.fm. Well, yeah. Right. So I found the set list, but it was just so hard to find like who the opening Oh, uh, the other bands oh, it doesn't on the, say that on the lineup. Yeah. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. And on like Starting Lines Wikipedia, it doesn't ever list their tours. The thing is, I bet with a lot of, especially like the local shows, those bands probably don't exist. And I mean, they don't exist anymore. And they might have not existed for much longer after you saw them. So Yeah, that's true. I don't know. The internet back in 2005 was like very barren compared to what we have now where like everything's like digitalized, I guess. That's my Mm -hmm. only reasoning possibly behind it but i did find one more so the other one where it's the all-american rejects in 2006 it was featuring starting line the format i remember mm. the format familiar but i kind of couldn't think of their songs their singer was nate roos from fun that was his first band yeah they were somewhat famous that name sounds familiar but and then the other one was gym class heroes which i i was mm. a fan of that mm. huge mm-hmm. yeah but me and my friend Bridget were like total frequents at the electric factory. We were, you know, seventh, eighth grade. We thought we were really cool going there with one of our moms and not getting into the circle pits, but like always wanting <laughs> to actually do the circle pits. Still good. You know? Yeah. So how many times have you seen them live, do you think? I think based on these ticket stubs, six times. That's pretty good. And you know what? I was going to go see them this fall. So Mm. I lived in D.C. for the past couple of years and I was like, okay, I'm moving home and I'm going to go to this Electric Factory show at Christmas. And then the coronavirus happened. Mm. But they had a virtual show, which I think I texted you guys about. Yeah. And it was so good. They still sound the same. I mean, they're older and everything. They're incredible. Yeah. I like bond over the starting line with my brother and sister-in-law. Um, so we had like a, we always, every time we're like drinking, we always have to put on the starting line and have a sing along. And so we watched that together and it was really fun. That's so awesome. And speaking of my brother, the Kenny Vasoli, we know he's from Horsham and I actually know what street he grew up on because in one of their songs called Greg's Last Day, 
Uh, they mention Evergreen Road, which I, I know where that is. And it's right next to this park called Carpenter Park. And my brother was running there one time and he ran into Kenny, but he was like too nervous. That's to, so like, awesome. Say, he didn't want to bother him and say hi, but he's like, all right, next time he runs around, I'm going to say hi. And then he like wasn't there. So we were like, no, you blew it. <laughs> <laughs> but I would definitely be starstruck too. Oh my God. I think we all would. That is awesome. And we were talking a little bit before you hopped on, Patrice, but Kenny was not, he's not that much older than us because he was so no. young when this album came out. I think yeah. I saw he's like 35 or 36 now. So yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I was like, how old are you in seventh grade? 13? It's crazy to think he's only a few years older. You had a real shot. <laughs> yeah. Real shot. Still do. Hey, still time. And you know, I do consider myself like still a huge fan of them. But I'm, I really never listened to like the Vacationer or like Kenny's podcast. I don't know why. I just am like so stuck into like, no, I'm only listening to the starting line, you know? Yeah. Good. Well, we don't listen to any other podcasts on this show anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> that wouldn't be cool. So, and you guys aren't allowed to either. So, I will say for a fact, Patrice is an incredible fan. Like when she'd like something, it's like, I guess, is it OCD? But it's like you go, all 100 yeah. percent like that's what i'm saying like i'm a fangirl so once i like really like something i have to know everything about it <laughs> that's the way a lot of people were when we were like 13 or 14 but you've maintained that same interest like that fascination <laughs> with like i don't know if that's a good quality but you i think know, it's i I'll think it's it. fun like it is funny some of the things you were obsessed with over the years like the funniest one probably was viva la bam oh my like, god bam yeah. margera bam margera loved him. another local guy yeah another local guy I can't say the same about One Direction. They're not local, but I do love them. So, And with that, guys, let's get started. Track number one, Up and Go. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here, but I always was reminded of the song Anthem Part 2 by Blink when I hear the opening of this song. Oh, yeah. Totally can hear that. The drum beat, the opening guitar, and the rest of the song, not so much, but just that little intro of the track to start the album always reminded me of Anthem Part 2 on Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. I think that might be a large part of it, too, is it's the first song on both these albums. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I never really thought of that, but now that you mention it, that is kind of crazy. They are very similar. Yeah. Thanks. I was excited to hear it, and then I went on the Wikipedia page, and it's listed on there as well oh is it really yeah so similar to my doppelganger last week which was the beatles obla di obla da that every person who's ever listened to that song also knew literally everybody thinks that yeah yeah well i didn't think it for this one so yeah thank you I'll give you credit. i'll give you credit see what she's the best she's the best fan <laughs> so positive
Patrice, tell us about this song. What are your thoughts? Well, I'm going to steal Mike's thunder here. Uh-oh. But this is a really fun, upbeat oh, first track. Yeah, there it is. I love it. I love it. It is. It really is. I love it when the fans sing back the hits. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, Mike. But yeah, in my research this week, I found out that this song was in the trailer for She's the Man. Isn't that crazy? Was it really? Yeah, and I, I found it on YouTube because I was like, no way. It is. We've talked about that movie before, haven't we, Mike? It definitely sounds familiar. I know we've talked about Amanda Bynes before. I think that movie came up during one of the news segments before. But great movie. Great song to be featured in the movie. I know. That's incredible. It kind of dates a song a little bit, though, doesn't it? It does a little bit, yeah. That's okay. What do you think? What's it about, Patrice? So, to me, this seems like it's about like a one-sided relationship where the girl's stringing the guy along, and then she just up and went. And now he's blasting her. He's calling her out. But he's also still pondering, like, what could have possibly made her stay? Because he's still, you know, hurt, even though he's trying to get revenge by putting her on blast. It's a classic breakup song. Yeah. We mentioned earlier that minimum six of these songs are going to be about one specific ex-girlfriend. Yeah. I was keeping tally. This is definitely one out of six. There's 13 songs, and I think one or two are not about (laughs) a relationship. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And so this one has to be about this girl. But yeah, it's about being dumped. It's about remembering that past relationship. What I thought was really weird was there's a lot of very specific references almost like inside jokes in this song. There's a line, and you know who you are, here's a hint, she doesn't have a car, or the time to be in love with me. It's like he's very specifically directing it to one person. Why else would he put that in there? I think he does that a lot in these songs. He does do that a lot. Very interesting. Like, he needs her to know that it's about her. It's kind of like a dagger to the heart. She has to know. First of all, he probably hasn't had too many girlfriends other than her, but that line... She doesn't have a card. That was like the ultimate burn in high school. That was social status. If you had your own ride, you could just go wherever you wanted to go. Yeah. It's also pretty wild. Like, he's basically just calling her poor, isn't he? <laughs> I guess. It's a little savage. <laughs> Potentially. Cool. Whatever. But that also makes him look even worse because she doesn't have a car. She can't go anywhere without somebody driving her. And she still doesn't want to hang around with him. Yeah, that's true. She doesn't even want to use him for a ride. Yeah, that's true. That's how bad this breakup was. Yeah. I would like to say, I know it's early on, but this is my favorite song on the album. Oh, I support that. It's a good one. Yeah, I love this song. It's definitely up there for me, too. Yeah, it's always been my favorite. There's one part towards the end of the song. I guess you could call it the bridge, but it's like the music kind of gets low and it's just Kenny singing and then the drums kick in like. It's so good. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Not do air drums mm-hmm. yes when that comes on you know like air guitar but air drums right <laughs> yeah it's mandatory it's the best part Track number two, Given the Chance. Oh, 
first of all, I always hated that they gave Jersey a shout out because I was just so proud that they were from Philly. I, I was like, why can't you give Philly a shout out? <laughs> it does sting a little bit, especially because there is a little rivalry between Pennsylvania and New Jersey. Yeah. But I think they like really got popular in Jersey and then filtered back. But it's always stuck with me, that one. Early on, they did have a really strong following in New Jersey. And I think it took performing in New Jersey to actually get a lot of traction as a band. So I think this is their fan appreciation song for those people in Jersey. So in that virtual show that they played recently, they actually did say that exact thing, that they they really came up in Jersey first before they gained a crowd back in PA. You know what? I think we can let Jersey have this one because every time I've ever seen a band playing in Camden, they always address the crowd as Philly. That's true. Yeah. So yeah, true. for these Philly guys to show some love to Jersey, I think I think that's okay. That's nice of you, Mike. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, this song's just all about the thriller performing and how thankful they are for us, the fans. Yeah, they really owe us, you know? You know, he lives for this. He's loving life, dream come true. He loves hearing the crowd sing back his songs. That's true. It is unbelievably positive. And I always thought it was funny because whenever you see interviews by Kenny or whenever you see them perform, he does come across as this super positive guy. Yeah, he's like kind of goofy and, you know, happy all the time. Yeah. yeah. I could just picture him sitting down and writing the song and being like, oh yeah, the people are going to love this. And one of the two songs that are not about a girl. That's right. This is a rare song that's not about an ex-girlfriend. Huge. This one reminded me of what we discussed a couple weeks ago, something corporates I woke up in a car because mm. both of them were written by young guys on their first album about glorifying the tour life and how fun it was just playing these shows. And that's something I like to see just because, you know, you can just think it's as fun for these guys to play these shows as it is to go and see them play especially now at like over a year of not being able to see these shows, it reminds you of what's so awesome about actually going to concerts and seeing these bands you love live and hoping that still after all these years, even if it's a live stream that they like playing these songs for us, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny imagining them performing this, talking about performing. <laughs> like, like when you watch it live, you're just like, this is kind of weird, but... It's also got to be kind of cool. I do really love the part where, you know, he loves hearing the crowd sing back because it really is like the best part of every concert when they put the microphone in the crowd and everyone sings at the same time. It's yeah. Like chills. Just feed <laughs> off of their energy. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. So, Patrice, you sent us six or so tickets earlier of shows you've been to. What's the closest you've ever gotten? Like, have you been front row? I know you wouldn't go in the pit when you were like 12 years old, but. It's funny you ask, because I did try to look at my digital camera photos from that time, mm -hmm. and they're all absolutely terrible, oh, no. but they look pretty close, but I don't, I don't, I mean, I'm sure we got like decently close, but I don't think we ever got to like that front gate. Right. The front gate's tough though, because you get shoved into that gate and it yeah. really hurts from what I remember. You look like a griddle from those metal bars just being pressed up against you <laughs> for the whole show. That's true. And I never did like crowd surfing. I was like, oh. who's going to pick me up? It's not <laughs> happening. <laughs> People are pretty friendly at the shows. You did it, right? Oh, yeah. Multiple times? Shockingly recently, yeah. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, it's always fun to do. When Rita took you to these shows, would she stay for them? You know what? 
Rita never took us. It was always my friend Bridget's Wow, mom. Rita. Yeah. Well, if she did, I don't really remember, but I do remember Bridget's mom always taking us. You should ask her because I guarantee she remembers if she took you. <laughs> Track number three, Leaving. This wasn't a single, was it? Was there only one single on this album? It was a single. No, this was the second single. Oh, it was the second single. Yeah, there's a video. Did you guys see it? Oh, no. Shit. <laughs> guys, wait. It's really pretty good. Can I describe it? Sure. Yeah, what the hell? We have to watch it. I didn't oh watch it. I think I looked it up and I didn't see any. Uh-oh. We should just let Patrice explain it to us. Yeah. I think Ooh, that, that sounds good. Yeah, I'll yeah. explain the song and then I'm going to explain the video because it's it deviates a little. Okay. We're going in blind. The song is about simply a guy pleading to a girl not to leave without saying goodbye. Mm-hmm. It sounds like to me like she has to leave, like not like she wants to leave. So it wasn't really bitter because they're like savoring every minute and reminiscing on their like happy experience together. Yeah, agree. But then in the video, it's this guy running through a train station and he's looking for a girl before she gets away, right? And starting line's obviously like playing in the lobby of the train station, of course. Of course. But so, you, you know, the whole video, he's trying to catch this girl. And in the middle of the video, I want you to try to guess who from that time would cameo in this video. Oh, this is so fun. This is really good. Um, 2002? This is probably 2003. Okay. okay. Can we ask, one, if it's a man or a woman, and two... Mm-hmm. What wing of pop culture would we know them from? Yeah. Musician, actor. actor. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wait, Mike, before she does that, let's each throw one guess out, and then we'll narrow it down. Yeah. Just in case we can get it. Because that would be wild. If you guess this, I'll be shocked. Okay, I'm going to do a topical reference. One okay. that we discussed in the news, Mike. You ready? Okay. Julia Roberts. Okay. <laughs> That's right. I'm, I'm going to lose it. All I can think of is Bam Margera because we talked about him, but I'm going to say Johnny Knoxville. So it is a man. Okay. And neither of those. Damn. Okay. And I, I'm going to say he's MTV related. Carson Daly. Nope. Damn. That one felt good. Sway? Oh, Sway's a good one. Nope. Comedian. <laughs> MTV comedian? I mean, I don't know if you'd call him a comedian, but he's a funny guy. MTV comedian. Yeah, now I don't even care about the podcast. Now I just need to guess this. <laughs> I know. <laughs> funny guy from MTV. <laughs> he had a sketch comedy show. On MTV? Yeah. Nick Cannon? I don't know if no. I would have been able to guess this. Andy Milanakis. 
Yes. It's Andy Milakis? Oh, yes. Andy Milakis. Yes. <laughs> Wait a minute. I can't believe you got it. That's crazy. He was in this music video? He's like briefly in it. Like he's one of the guys in the lobby like singing and playing the guitar. And then when the guy is trying to find this girl, he kind of like gets in his way and is like blocking him from That's running. incredible. And it's like making a face, you know, and that's it. Wow, really that is the perfect person for this time this period. Era. What a right. huge yeah. cameo. That's wild. I know, really funny. But the end of the video, so right, he gets to the girl. Uh-huh. Annie Milonakis was in the way the whole time. Yeah. The whole time. Mm -hmm. He gets to the girl. She's just about to get on the train. He hands her a framed picture of them, and then he smashes it on the ground. <laughs> Whoa. Right face. What a twist. Which is weird because that's, I feel like the song is not really bitter. I totally agree with you. Yeah. I didn't get that so either. So it really yeah. is a twist. I got the sense that the song was like a couple that was still in love, but they were leaving for college or something. Yeah. And they were reluctantly saying goodbye, like you said. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Not a smashed frame. Hmm. <laughs> well, I guess we were wrong. Same idea here. I didn't think it was a really bitter song. I did want to point out that there is a time period that the song points to. Mm -hmm. Did you get that as well? 212.99. Which would make Kenny 15 at the time? I always think 212.99 on that day, every year. Do you? <laughs> I do. Super, Man. I know that's so nerdy, but like I'm like, oh yeah, 212.99. You are a super fan. You're discovering music videos that we don't know about. Because that, I can't believe you didn't notice that. I'm a little shocked by that too. <laughs> that's a rare miss. But yeah, I just never thought there was one. But that would still make him 15, which my point was... Yeah, sorry. What was your point, Mike? No, the point was he's 15 and this is like probably his first ever real relationship. And he's like, I just thought it was cute, like young love. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as we mentioned, Mike, all these songs are going to be about his adolescent one-time girlfriend. And like a lot of them are about being separated. Like all of them, really. Her moving away. Yeah. That was hard for 15-year-olds. I remember. When this girl was leaving, I'm sure she was like, thank God I'm leaving Horsham. I don't have to hear about Kenny anymore. <laughs> and then wham, a year later, here's a six song LP about you. Yeah. Right. Minimum. Although this album came out in 2002, this song was on their EP before that. That's true. But like, was he even younger? It was on With Hopes of Starting Over. Hopes of starting Over. Yeah. yeah. Track number four, The Best of Me. Tell me what you thought about when you were gone and so alone. The worst is over. You can have the best of me. We got older, but we're still young. We never grew out of this feeling that we won't give up. Such an iconic intro. Right, guys? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not. I don't know. This is the ultimate Circle Pit song. The ultimate, yeah. Not that I've ever been in one. but mm, Not yet. Yeah. Not yet. Still plenty of time. 
This was how I was first introduced to the band. I remember back at Gwenicamp, which is how I've heard of a lot of these bands, I'm coming to realize. It was morning extended hours, and Kelly Bucci put this song on for me, and I'm like, wow, this song is awesome. And the rest is history. Um, it is my favorite song because I felt guilty not picking it just because... Wait a minute. Hold it's on. It's the first one that I ever heard. Mike picks the single? Mike picking mm-hmm. the single after yep. I get roasted for always picking the singles. <laughs> week after week. Week after week. You pick like one of the biggest singles ever though. I know. I was going to pick a different one, but I just figured that was dishonest because this was the first song I heard by them and... It's still the one that like gets me pumped up the most, so I'm just being honest. Okay, that's fair. I had this song burned on a CD. We talked about in the Something Corporate episode how back then you had LimeWire or Napster or Kazaa or whatever, and you would just burn random songs on CDs. I remember vividly burning the song on a CD, and I remember it was track like, I don't know, two or three. The other tracks around it were Black Eyed Peas, Where's the Love? Oh my gosh. And Puddle of Mud, She Hates Me. So those were like the first three songs on this CD, but I, I'll never forget. Like I would listen to those songs over and over again. That's a true mixtape. It is a true mixtape. Yeah, it was so good. Though. Those are two great songs. I know. Yeah, it's a very like 2003 mixtape. Black Eyed Peas for sure. I just said this is my favorite song. That might this song might be number three out of those three. <laughs> like, jeez, don't admit that. I know. <laughs> Edit that out. Where is love number one? Puddle of Mud number two. Starting line number three. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, they're all great songs. You're right. This was like a long distance relationship, right? Yeah. I think this is like a song about working through a tough time in a relationship and how like they're coming out on the other side, a better duo. You know, they're talking about how they've miscommunicated and they've had misunderstandings, the classic jumping to conclusions but, you know, like the worst of that is over. They figured out the issues. They grew up. And now they can enjoy the best of each other. But I do get the long distance vibe here as well. So you think there's a happy ending to this song? I do. Mm, um, okay. You guys don't? I'm curious. I always thought it was fine. Like I thought there's an optimistic end to this because yeah. it's one of the lines that always stood out to me. And one of the ones that makes me laugh is just, Telling a girl next time you're in town, we will kiss. Kiss girl. <laughs> so I thought, you know, we will kiss girl. Yeah, we will girl, kiss yeah. girl. We will kiss I mean, there's girl. nothing more matter of fact than that, Mike. So. Right. So I thought that was like hell yeah. Yeah, maybe you're right. I think Patrice is right. right yeah. yeah. If they're kissing, things are going well. Turn on music 
Unless that's a threat. I will kiss you, girl. <laughs> For you, Mike, it normally is a threat. Yeah. <laughs> I always liked the line, riding phone lines. Yeah. When I was younger, I, I obviously, like, I associated that with riding bikes on the Horsham Powerline Trail. Oh, the Powerline <laughs> like, Trail. Now, I realize they're talking about phones, but, you know, I always just, like, reading back, it was funny, too. That's the ultimate double meaning that not many people outside of your zip code can yeah. have <laughs> riding phone lines speaking of specific references yeah <laughs> there's one right there the music video this one is an all-timer i did watch this music video i watched two music videos for this song two <laughs> yeah wait a minute what's the other what? one the second one <laughs> yeah. what is happening is it a live video no it's another it's another produced video we can talk about the main one Okay, oh my god, I'm embarrassed. I don't know the other one. <laughs> oh, I'm embarrassed. These are now two music videos that I don't know about. <laughs> so the main one is... Oh my god. Starts off with the Say Anything reference, which we've seen before. Mm-hmm. Guy with a boombox outside a girl's window trying to win her back. And his tape breaks, so what better way to win a girl back than have the starting line play for her, right? Rock on. Yeah, if that was Patrice... Easily oh, won would back. win me right back. Yeah, for sure. Easy. It was pretty funny. Like I did chuckle at a couple of the scenes because the guy's <laughs> just outside talking to different people that come along and ask him why he's there. Yeah, and one guy's like really rude. Yeah. <laughs> Is it the first music video that we've come across where there's like dialogue boxes at the bottom? Yeah. People talking. First that I can remember, yeah. And then there's one random one in like Spanish. Mm-hmm. I thought yeah. that was yeah. always a little random who's your favorite like um background character like not the guy not the girl not the starting line but oh easy the rollerblade the rollerblading yeah. guy yeah Me too. come on the one- i don't like, like i don't like you yeah. i don't like you <laughs> perfect that guy's the best he's wearing like the real tight like form-fitting yeah spandex suit yeah it's like so silly which makes it funny right yeah. and the guy's reaction like, really is dumb. great too just the guy's like huh like his face <laughs> like what yeah, that guy's good. Wait, so about the ending, I'm curious how you guys took it. Do you think that was like he was at the wrong house or that was like her boyfriend or her brother like in her house? I hope it wasn't her boyfriend. Uh, I think he was at the wrong house. I think the whole time this band is performing, blowing up this neighborhood and he's in the wrong neighborhood. Yeah. I think it was just a classic Shyamalan twist. I thought maybe he was on the wrong side of the street possibly but don't you think she would still notice that though on the other side of the street she'd hear them performing yeah that's true do we ever see her like going to the window or anything no so that's interesting you see her like going towards the window but it's not necessarily because she hears a band performing outside gotcha okay i don't know it's pretty open-ended yeah it's a mystery we may never know open to interpretation good music video nonetheless though the second one which i will Link in the show notes for everybody. Still doesn't seem real to me, but okay, go on. I just scrolled down YouTube a little bit more, and it was definitely recorded prior to the one we all know and love, but the premise of that one was pretty much just a guy playing Dance Dance Revolution, and the starting <laughs> line is playing like inside the game. Oh, that's cool. If it's possible for Kenny to look younger, he looks much younger in that one. The important thing to point out is he is wearing a shell necklace in both versions of wow, the good. video. So. He was a big puka shell guy. Yeah. 
I remember that. Yeah. Interesting outfit choice in the main video for this song with like the tight Adidas mm-hmm. top. Always thought that was interesting, but yeah, the bleach blonde hair. I think it was a great look. Now he has like brown scraggly long hair. Yeah, he does, yeah. He's such like a skinny baby face guy, like to begin mm-hmm. with. I'm like, that shirt must be like a size XXS, right? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Track number five, A Good Night's Sleep. This one is more of a ballad. Mm-hmm. Is this their ballad, Patrice? One of them. Okay. I'd say there's at least one more. So this song, in my opinion, is about a relationship that was once like comfortable, but all of a sudden things have changed and the guy just doesn't recognize her anymore. Like she kind of ruined it. Like she's just not into it all of a sudden. And he's really bitter and is blaming her. But he's also really torn up about it. So I think that's a common thing. Kenny just likes to call these girls out, even though he's really upset. Or this girl out. This one girl. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think if my numbers are correct here, I think we're at song four out of six. That's about an ex-girlfriend. If there's only six of them, this would be number four out of six. Does that sound right? I'd say that. I think there's more than six, but... There's definitely more than six. (laughs) But according to uh, the information I found, there's only six, but there's no way that's true. But yeah, I think you're right, Patrice. I think it's just about two people falling out of love. There's a lot of talk about sleeping in different beds, Mm. which, I mean, that's kind of the whole theme of the song. Yeah, that's kind of a weird feeling, getting your personal space back after a pretty long relationship. These lyrics to me, this is gonna sound really nerdy but they just they're kind of like poetic the way he composes the lines i just it doesn't feel like a pop punk song when you read it definitely feels a little bit deeper than that fate works both ways that's a poetic line if i've ever heard one that's epic that's the best line is that your tattoo line patrice you know what it's not okay i already have did you write one down later of course oh that's exciting wouldn't it be so fantastic if we had the same one I don't even think mine's that great, but I just love it. If it's the same one, you both have to get it. Actually, okay. all three of us will get it. Wait, you have your okay. favorite song picked out too, right? I do, of course. Did you pick a doppelganger too? Did you just do every segment? No, I didn't think of a doppelganger, probably because I've listened to these songs so much that like they don't sound like anything else to me. They're just their own songs, yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. Cool. But Fate Works Both Ways, when you can like scream that at the end, is is so epic. That's an aim away message if I've ever heard one. Oh yeah, totally.
It's kind of like a big FU line. Yeah, I mean, he's essentially wishing that one day she feels as broken as he is. Like, he's hoping she yeah. regrets not giving him a chance or, yeah. you know, giving up on him. So, sad. This girl's getting it good. <laughs> Track number six. Almost there, going nowhere. This song sounds a lot like an older Blink-182 or Sum 41 song to me. Like something you might hear from Enema of the State for Blink or Half Hour of Power for Sum 41. Like really early stuff. Yeah, because it's like fast-paced drumming. and Yeah. Yeah, I can totally hear that. Like the guitar riffs are very similar to what you'd hear in those bands. Mm-hmm. In fact, guys, this is... My doppelganger this week. Wow. Knew it. There's a Sum 41 song called What I Believe. And the intro of this song... Oddly reminiscent of it. Ooh, yeah, that is a good one. Oh, yeah, I totally hear that. Yeah, can you guys hear that? Love it. Isn't it weird? Love hearing that. So weird. So I realized that the Google lyrics were a little wrong for this song. So I had to resort to my CD insert Ooh. for the lyrics. Oh, wow. And I forget now, like, which line was wrong. Really what I'm envisioning when I hear this song. Like, there's a couple. They're in a fight over the phone. Like, it's a little confusing. So let me, let me talk this out, and you guys can be like, what the F are you talking about? Please, hit us with it. Starts out in the middle of the fight. Because he's like, say it like you mean it. And is like bracing for impact about what this girl is going to say next. And she's talking down to him. She's being condescending. And he's like rolling his eyes, waiting for it to be over. And he's like, I'm just going to sit on the floor. Like there's no use standing or pacing. So the one line that confused me was one too many condescending battles for a friend. Like are they friends or are they not? Yeah, I made a note of that one too. What do you guys think? Well, I was not entirely sure if this was even about a relationship. Right. I mean, the friend line really like throws everything off if you think it's a relationship. So I, I would say it could be about friends. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I was kind of on the fence. I thought could be an ex, could be um, just like a tough friendship. Yeah, really mean friendship. Mike, did you take a firm stance on this? 
fate works both ways and so does this song <laughs> keenan <laughs> for the most part I, I was thinking friend as well mm, you're okay. losing a friend you're losing what's in store like you're losing a friendship and there's more like you and I on summer holiday, like just hanging out, doing friend stuff, nothing lovey-dovey. <laughs> oh, classic friend stuff. Yeah, hanging out on summer holiday. But the only line that made me think um, when he says losing what was almost meant to be, like that doesn't sound yeah. like what you would say to a friend, the friendship that's breaking off, you know? Maybe they're friends with benefits right in the middle. Yeah, that could be. I don't know. Maybe he wanted something more and she didn't. Maybe they were friends and trying to hook up or something tarnish that friendship who knows there is some weird phrasing it's funny that patrice mentioned the google lyrics because i feel like they twisted some words around to make them rhyme in this one say it like you mean it he spoke with a tone of hurt <laughs> thought that was a good one also say like you mean it yeah album album. whoa name of the album that's big but like why is he trying to stay awake I didn't get that either. I don't know. I wasn't entirely sure either. I'll try to stay awake so I can tell you when I go, when I get home. Yeah, I don't know if I get it. Kenny, call us up. Let us know what the song means. Kenny, <laughs> if you're listening, poppunkproj at gmail.com. We love to get some info from you. We need the inside scoop on this. This album reminded me of All American Rejects' self-titled album where I love all these songs, but then I read the lyrics and I'm like... I don't think I even heard half of these lyrics. Definitely. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. This one, I would say Good Night Sleep too. the one where I was like, this sounds so poetic. I feel like I garbled all of those lyrics when I sang it. Yeah. Mm. I definitely didn't think this deeply about what they're all about. This is the definitely first time not. that I've done that for sure. Same. Um, okay. So is our answer inconclusive? I think we're going to stick with inconclusive on this one. Yeah. Good song though. I think... Our conclusion is almost there, but going nowhere. <sighs> you just had to, didn't you? Yeah. You just had to. Track number seven, Cheek to Cheek. Mike. This is about uh, pooping. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. Say, is this about faces or butts? That's... Take your pick. This is about butts. This is about when somebody wants to know who's taller, you or your friend, and then you stand back to back. And you're really just standing cheek to cheek. Yeah, that's what this is about. (laughs) All right, next song. (laughs) Yep, nailed it. Okay, good. But this song has a synthy beginning. I love it. Yeah, the electric drum beat. And then it gets really heavy. Almost hardcore. And what's interesting about that is Nate Barkalo from Finch is actually featured in this song. And Finch, as we know, is a much heavier band. Maybe considered pop punk sometimes, but 
they definitely have a lot of hardcore elements. So I don't know. It does kind of feel like a Finch song. And there is some pretty aggressive screaming in it too, isn't there? Yes. And you know what? I also always think at the chorus, this song sounds like a completely different song to me. It does. I don't know. Yeah. It's like a happier tone. It's strange. Yeah. yeah, it's very back and forth. Also, in the insert, the liner, the first two people they thank, Newfound Glory and Finch. Wow, there you go. Cheek to cheek, if it's not about butts and backs, it's about, in my opinion, like hugging cheek to cheek. Wild thought or no? Mike, do we agree with that? I'm going to stick with butts, but yeah, (laughs) I, I guess it could be like faces and hugging. Yeah, could be. But no, you're actually probably right, Patrice. It is probably about hugging. But does that relate to the song? Yeah. So I think it's about a relationship that was maybe like doomed from the start. They tried to make it work. They're going in circles and he's like mentally over it. Mm, okay. He's done with this runaround. But it's also sad. He's replaying all these memories of her saying she'll never leave his side. When in reality, this is like the last time he's going to say goodbye. So goodbye, cheek to cheek, hug. Wow. Okay. I'm thinking that does make a lot more sense than standing butt to butt. Okay. (laughs) Definitely the way 15 year old Kenny would say goodbye to his love too. You know, kissing too personal. They can only stand to hug. I have no idea if this is related or not, but I googled cheek to cheek and found other than this song that it's actually kind of a famous older song from the 30s, written for Fred Astaire by Irving Berlin. And the content of that song is all about feeling like you're in heaven and in love and dancing cheek to cheek. Heaven, I'm in heaven, and my heart beats so that I can hardly speak. And I seem to find the happiness I seek When we're out together dancing cheek to cheek I wasn't sure exactly how that would relate to this song, except then I thought he says that he remembers her singing a song about never leaving his side. So maybe she sang that song to him. Oh, that's cool. Oh, I like that. So that was my, like, maybe... This old song was what they sang back to each other or something like that. Do you think know. there's a pop punk cover of that song, Mike? Uh, pop punk goes 30s. <laughs> <laughs> I would have listened to that album. That'd probably be pretty cool, actually. If there was, then these guys should be the ones to cover it. Uh, they are on that. Punk goes pop. They sing I'm Real by Ja Rule. That's right.
They have another one too, I think. Keenan loves that shit. I do love that shit. Those albums are so good. I want to know what the other song they do is. I was pretty sure there was another one. I also didn't know that they had multiple music videos, so I would not listen to me on this one. Track number eight, Hello Houston. This one's great. Short and sweet. Two minutes, 23 seconds. Quick punch. Guys, so fun fact. More secrets from the CD insert. Ooh. I don't think I realized this until I read it in the CD insert, but this is written like a literal conversation. Is it really? Did you guys catch that? Not really, no. It literally says like, Kenny, semicolon. Karina, that's her name. Wait, really? Karina. Her name's yeah, Karina? Wild. Karina and Kenny. And it says it in there? Yeah. Okay, this is news to me. So it's like Karina's saying, if you were to wait, some things might be changed. First of all, is that grammatically correct? <laughs> I don't think Mike and I are the ones to ask about that. because No, absolutely not. <laughs> Susie Cook? Yeah, we should ask Susie, Susie Cook. Cook. <laughs> she would know. Yep. She would have some answers. So Karina. If you were to wait, some things might be change. Kenny, I don't have the strength to fuel a burning flame. Kenny, speak to me. Karina, what can I say? We just live too far away. Kenny, that's the shame that love can't make you stay. Wow. I don't think I realized that it was a conversation. I had no idea. And it makes so much more sense now. Way more sense. See, people like act like streaming is this great thing. You can have every song you ever want in the palm of your hand, but you don't get this kind of stuff, you know? <laughs> you don't That's get true. the album or CD inserts that can pull out decades later. It's been lost over time. Yeah. That is cool. Yeah, that does bring a totally different perspective that I had never heard before and definitely didn't see when I was Googling the lyrics online yeah. earlier. <laughs> I got the sense that this song was like a, wrong place, wrong time type of situation for a relationship. Like they were into each other, but for whatever reason, it just wasn't going to work out right now. It was a very like Jim and Pam vibe from mm. early seasons of The Office. Like, you know, they like each other, but there's just too many barriers to them dating. Yeah. Like safe to say long distance, like Kenny on the East Coast, this girl in Houston. Yep. And they're just struggling to keep the long distance going. That's another question I had. So was this girl in Houston or was Hello Houston? Is that a reference to like space calling to Houston? And it feels like that's the distance between them. I kind of thought maybe both. I wasn't sold on one or the other. I like that. I like that. Would you like to hear my thoughts? No. I thought the same. <laughs> I thought the same thing you did, Keenan. When I saw Hello Houston having not About been space. A, yeah. Having not been a super fan of this my whole life like Patrice the first thing I thought of was Houston we have a problem which was from Apollo 11 
And in that scene, in Apollo 11, the crew is losing power and losing hope. That relates to the line, I don't have the strength to fuel a burning flame. I'm loving this theory. In Apollo 11, they literally say, we're not going to have enough fuel to get back to Earth. Well, that's crazy. When did that movie come out? 1995, I think. Oh, so it could be a reference to that. I like this theory a lot. I like that a lot. The space shuttle doesn't have enough fuel to get back to Earth. He doesn't have enough fuel to try to get them back together either. That's my uh, tie together. Yeah, mine was way too literal. I like yours is makes so much more sense, guys. Good job. I don't think it does. I think they're both good. I mean, Patrice's analysis is always right, and ours is just the next best guess. I think. Yeah, but that one's like cooler anyway. Patrice so. is reading from the source material. and That's true. We don't have that. That's a primary source. Yeah. We have all secondary accounts. Right. <laughs> Great song, though. Track number nine, Decisions, Decisions. Patrice, uh, new theme here, right? Totally off topic. You got my neck there for a second. I was like, are we talking about the same song? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I think this one is going to be pretty on brand. But <laughs> yep. what do you think? Yeah, it's about a breakup. The girl moves on with another guy and Kenny's just stuck waiting by the phone for her to call. But she never calls. Man. And he's like, does he really love you more or is it like the age old saying that if you love her, let her go, you know? We've actually discussed this multiple times on the podcast, Mike. When you break up with somebody, comparing yourself to their new boyfriend, their new girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I believe you said, Mike, am I tougher than that guy? Right. Yeah. If yeah, I you want to know if you're yeah. as tough as their new guy. Yeah. That's like <laughs> standard. We have seen that theme before. But the way it was worded in this one, it's he loves you who loves you more to let you go. So mm-hmm. I don't know why, but I thought of the Bible story about King Solomon and the baby. Is that the one where he says he's going to tear the baby in half? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I remember the that two one. women claim to be the mother of this child. And he said, fine, we'll cut it in half. You can both have a piece. But the mother who says, no, give her the baby he declares the true mother because she was selfless and let the baby go and have no harm done to it. Yeah. For whatever reason, I'm like, are they going to try to saw this girl in half? This is your Catholic <laughs> guilt. Yeah. But Kenny's yeah. like, no, I love her more. I'm going to let her go. You take her. Mm, okay. Keep her in one piece. I don't selfless. think that's what he was actually getting at, but for whatever reason. No, that's the same idea. Yeah. I mean, not cutting in half, but... <laughs> I do love there's the one line in the song. I think I know it. And I tell myself, look, Ken, it's better to have lost love than paint a smile and pretend. I just love that he's literally giving himself advice in this song. 
Yeah. We've heard of advice songs before, but this one, it's advice to yourself. Literally putting your own name in the song. I love that line. It's so clever. Isn't that clever? And he definitely mentions his own name multiple times or in multiple songs. I don't know how many in like this album, but I can think of one in their second album that he does. That's so interesting. I don't know of any other bands that do that. I do. You do? Like pop punk bands? Yeah, not many. The one that comes to mind is 70 Times 7 by Brand New. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Put yeah. a message on my pillow that says, Jesse, stay asleep in bed. Yep, that's true. Guys, not to jump on here, but that's my tattoo line. Oh, my God. Which one? one? Is that I really shocking? That line. And I tell myself, look, Ken, and then just yes. end it there. No, just okay, look, good. look, Ken. <laughs> look, Ken. <laughs> it's better to have lost love than paint a smile and pretend. Oh, yeah. I love that. That is a Dreaming, great right? line. Wait, so not the same one as Patrice then? No, but I did write down that I that's a great line. As soon as I realized this was my tattoo line, I'm like, no, Patrice hasn't said hers yet. Yeah. Mm. Sorry. This one's better. I just, well, I'll explain. I like it. It's, you know, it's a different way of saying it's better to have had and lost than to have never had at all. Where are you going to throw it on? Um, Maybe my underarm. Like in your armpit? No, under like under my arm. So like when oh, okay. I'm taking like, your like bi- under your bicep or tricep. Yeah, like when I'm taking IG pictures of like me like casually like putting my arms mm. up, you can like see it right there on my arm. You already have one on your bicep, so now you're kind of working on a sleeve. Mm. Might as well. Yeah, I mean you're gonna have to, right? Yeah. What if you did it like around your arm? Yeah, you know, like a classic boy band tattoo yeah wrap it all the way around okay i could do that or where i have the writing like you know how people get like words tattooed within like a rosary or something mine Mm -hmm. could be tattooed within kenny's puka shell necklace (laughs) i'm good with that really hitting home there yeah yeah so that's my tattoo line but now i'm so excited that we still have one more left this is like this is big yeah the anticipation's killing me Track number 10, Saddest Girl Story. Great title. It reminds me a lot of the song, Absolutely Story of a Girl by Nine Days. You know the one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is Story of a Girl. This is the story of a girl who cried a river and drowned the whole world. And while she looks so sad in photographs, I absolutely love her when she smiles. Doesn't it feel like that one? The title for sure, but I feel like the intro to the song is like a classic pop punk intro yeah it is i also thought like the drum beat throughout the song is the classic punk rock blast beat it's good that they're sticking to their roots i never really knew a lot of the words to the song for some reason same 
Now that you've read them, Patrice, what do you think? So I think Kenny is describing a girl who's currently with a guy that's totally undeserving of her love. Like she can have anyone she wants, yet she's in this relationship that has the same issues over and over. She never learns her lesson. And it's the same story over and over, status quo story. And Kenny wants her to leave him because he can see this guy won't change, but she just doesn't see it, even though she's the saddest girl. That's a perfect analysis. 100% A++. Mike, does this remind you of any other songs that we've heard before? No, I can't put my finger on it, but it's that that theme of the guy hating the new guy and wishing the girl would be with him. Dysentery Gary. There he is. Oh. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> this is another Dysentery Gary song, Mike. Yeah, totally. We've seen this theme a ton of times now. I don't think he gets this direct, but do you think Kenny just wants her to leave this guy because she's sad and this guy's hurting her or do you think he wants to move on in yeah to that point mike this also reminds me of the something corporate nice guy song he's like oh i can save you from this terrible guy i can be your white knight i'm better than this guy it's just another nice guy situation but he doesn't really discuss that i mean i think you can infer that for sure but it's you're right it's like not totally clear it's not no, totally clear. he doesn't he doesn't say it flat but out safe assumption for sure if i know my guy kenny he's he's trying to swoop True. in there it's classic kenny it is i mean this has to be a relationship song because what else gotta be cool track number 11 left coast envy left coast wow what a cool way to say west coast left coast best coast <laughs> Guys, big news. This is my favorite song. Oh, that's so exciting. I know it's like kind of a sleeper, but this one always hit home for me for some reason. This is a great song. This is definitely one of my favorites too. It's kind of a ballad. Very ballad-esque, yeah. And double whammy here. It has my tattoo line. Oh my God. Patrice. You're really packing it in here. I know. So. Okay. Hit us with it. Okay. My tattoo line. Drum roll. Can I sell the sunrise in return for a sunset? Ooh, yeah. Yeah. That is good. The yeah, but. <laughs> the yeah makes it. <laughs> yeah, the yeah is the best part of it. That's a good one. Yeah, I don't know why. I just, I really always loved Scream singing this song, and that line was always great. I don't know. It's like you're reminiscing about old times. You're like, I just want one more night in this whatever fun place you're at. Because I don't want to wake up and have to leave. Yeah. 
And so, question about this song. Whoa. whoa. Oh. Before we jump ahead, Patrice, where are you going to get it on your body? Oh, shit. Yeah, Um, that's important. Oh, yeah. We got to keep tabs here. Mm. So it's pretty long. It is pretty long. You don't have any tattoos, do you? No. Mm, You do now. I'm so indecisive. I would never be able to, like... I feel the same way. That's a really good point. And once I finally decided, I would hate it the second it was. Yeah, I would regret it. (laughs) I don't know where to put this. Where do girls get tattoos? They get them in like their belly, but like to the side, kind of. Yeah. Shoulder blade? Maybe like shoulder blade? Back of the shoulder? Okay. If I ever were to get a tattoo, it would be probably like where my watch is. Just Mm. so like you could cover it up. Okay. But that line's kind of long. We'll say the wrist. We're going to say the wrist. You can get it in small font. That's okay. That's allowed. I like it. Yeah. yeah. All right. That's a good one. And All then right. maybe like, would you add like a little sun coming up and a sun going down? Mm-hmm. I was going to say wrist is a good good place for it because you're checking the time. You're thinking about the night not uh-huh. ending. Yeah. It kind of yeah. all works out. All right. I'll get it tomorrow. Done. We're all getting it tomorrow. Well, I'm getting my uh, painting line <laughs> okay <laughs> whatever mike yours yours stinks now now that i know what a real good one is i know shit <laughs> so i always kind of just assume this song was about a girl that lives on the west coast but he doesn't mention a person at all so is this just like about vacation i think it might be i think he's just a big vacation guy well what's his other band called it's called vacationer mike so there you go. He loves vacations. And they do say that vacations everything we need. Yeah, right? that's right. I take it as these guys were young. They got a taste of the West Coast. They were in Hollywood. They had a great time. They loved it. They were living out their dreams. And at some point in time, they were forced to come back home. And they were just reminiscing about the celebrity lifestyle. So I think it was all it was. I mean, imagine being a kid and getting to taste that for the first time. Yeah. I'd probably write a song about it. Yeah, I think this song is very relatable as, like, when you were a kid and you were coming home from vacation, it did suck. Like, I remember I would cry at the end of vacations, which <laughs> it seems like he's close to doing in this song, too. Like, the yeah. one line where he's like, this is what you took away from me. Yeah. I imagine that towards his parents as they're just it's like, okay, Kenny, we need to go home now. <laughs> Mike, I picture he's a guy that cries when he gets home from vacation today. Who doesn't, right? Yeah, it's fair. It's like it's like you never left, you know? <laughs> we can especially appreciate the song as Horsham or former Horsham residents. It's cold, Mike. It's cold, man. I also really love the part at the end where it's just him singing and the one guitar. I tend oh, to always so love those parts, but it's, you know, you really sing it in the car. It's, it's the best part. Yeah, that's a good part. Can I sell this sunrise in return for a sunset? Yeah. Can I just be here one more day until my sunburn fades away? Can I? Track number 12, and I got to say, guys, I love this song. This song is so good. It's not my favorite song, but like it could be my favorite song. 
It's called The Drama Summer. I changed my mind. This is my favorite song. I take it back. I take it all back. You take it all back. What about the tattoo? This, this is, is a first, Mike. The tattoo can stay. Okay. But this, I take it back. The song's my favorite song. I don't know, Mike. Do we allow it? This is unprecedented in the pop punk project. Changing mid-episode? I'll allow it. Well, we have gone on record as having like multiple favorite songs before. So. <laughs> That's true. Oh, you mean our historical favorite and our new favorite? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so Left Coast Envy is my historical favorite. There you go. And Drama Summer is my new favorite. Okay, now it's acceptable. You need to set it within the parameters of the, of the world we've created here. <laughs> of the stupid rules that we fake. That's true, though. I would say that's true. Like, I've always loved Left Coast Envy and then Drama Summer in recent years. Really, really, I love it. We were discussing this episode earlier this week patrice and i remember saying what wait what without me what the hell no you were there too i was just addressing patrice oh oh yeah okay i was there go on okay i understand why you may have confused these two songs your two favorites patrice because it's a dramatic shift from the last one instead of sunburn kenny now has sunstroke and I remember saying to you earlier this week, there's a lot of talk about sunburn in these songs. And you didn't seem to know what I was talking about. Yeah, I don't think I caught on to that. <laughs> now you know, because these two songs. Summer, both... left coast, yeah. you know. This one feels like a more negative perspective of summer. That's all I had. <laughs> but Patrice, you love this song, though. This is your new favorite. It is. I have a lot to say. So the song is a little cryptic to me. Let me know what you think about this take. Oh, is this a hot take? This is my hot take. I think this is about the end of a summer romance. So they can either wait for it to blow over, fizzle out. You know, he's like, all right, I guess I'll call you. I'll see you around. Or she can end the quote unquote summer war the summer romance by giving him a cold look mm. i don't know it's a little bit of a stretch but mm -hmm. it just kind of sounds like she's going to be back for the winter maybe she's back for the holidays so he's like he's praying for winter he'll be there waiting for her to come back so they can rekindle the relationship so i don't know it's it's cryptic i will say i originally thought this song was definitely about a summer romance and it was ending in this super sad depressing way yeah because he's like he's praying for winter so i don't know it it, it is confusing because he's calls it the summer war but he like doesn't want it to end yeah it's very strange i think when i was listening to it again and when i started reading the lyrics a little bit more and you're right totally cryptic you have to actually like sit down and read this one mm -hmm. i thought maybe it could be a metaphor 
like the end of this relationship feels like the end of a long, exhausting summer. Like they had a lot of fights. It was very back and forth. And sometimes at the end of the summer, you're sunburned and you traveled a lot and you're like, okay, I kind of just want to get back to the routine of things. So I don't know. That's how I saw it more recently. It could be both. It could be. I support yours. That's good. It could be this summer fling was happened in tandem with a very (laughs) exhausting summer. I don't know. You're right. This one is very hard to figure out. I think they're similar. Like they're similar takes. Part of what you just said, Keenan, reminded me of, and I have no idea if this is related to this song or not, but like the long, hot summer, like on very hot days in the summer, you just think, man, I'm not going to complain at all once it's chilly or once it's cold Mm -hmm. because this is, it's too hot. And then when it's winter and it's snow on the ground and it's freezing, you're like, I promise it'll be 100 degrees and I will not complain about going outside at all. Like I will appreciate the heat. Yeah. It's just a matter of where you are at the moment and you kind of forget something until it's there or until it's back again. And then you're like, oh, wait, this isn't all it's cracked up to be either. So I don't know if that yeah. Whoa. relates so, it to it at all. So Third interpretation, also mm. metaphorical. Also wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we know, Patrice <laughs> is right and we're just trying to keep up. Kenny, mm-hmm. call us up, Kenny. I know this is so nerdy, but when they sing it live, it like, gives me the chills they have a really great version on their live album somebody's gonna miss us and you know he puts the microphone in the crowd and everyone sings back like cross your fingers and pray for winter and it's just so good this part belongs to you right here I've never seen them live, but this must be the one that it's like crowd participation. That sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really good. My singing was also great. Your singing was perfect. Yeah, it was spot I, on. I got chills. I literally was like, <laughs> wow, I wish I could see them live and sing that. Did you get chills because of Kenny's cold look, Patrice? <laughs> you know it. Okay, good. I just want to make sure that was the case. Okay, that's all. My God. <laughs> I know Patrice had mentioned the last part. I'll call or see you around. Um, I always got such a dashboard confessional vibe from from the end, like that raw acoustic sound and the screaming. This definitely feels like their emo song. Not emo in the sense mm-hmm. of like My Chemical Romance and Taking Back Sunday, but more of like the dashboard confessional, very powerful yeah. acoustic song. Yeah. This feels like that. So I think you're totally right about that, Mike. This song always reminds me of, there's a YouTube video online, and it's the starting line performing at Hapro Horsham High School in like late 2001. I think it's actually in September or October 2001. They perform this song, and again, like big crowd participation, and then it leads right into leaving. 
and it's like super upbeat. Oh, cool. Everybody's jumping around, crowd surfing, and it's so awesome. But it's like clearly recorded on like a mid nineties camcorder that somebody transferred over from like a VHS tape. But it's so awesome because it's so raw. And they were all like, you know, 16 years old. Show notes. Add that. Yeah. That is very cool. So that was cool. Yeah. This song always reminds me of that. Track number 13. Wow, we're already at the last one. That's so sad. Mm, the finish line, Keenan. <laughs> it's been a ride. Oh, my God. Oh. I can't handle all this. Oh. <laughs> Track number 13. This ride. This is another fave. I mean, maybe number three. This is your 13th fave. <laughs> Wait, guys, hold up. This one's actually my favorite now. No, it's up there. It's up there. Okay. This one is good. It also features Nate Barkalo of Finch. Wow. Second time. You can tell because all the songs with somebody screaming, it's just him. He is a good screamer. To me, it's a really great ending to the album. And I love how it starts and ends with just Kenny singing and that one guitar. Again, I know I've said this on other tracks, but like, that's always my favorite part. Yeah. It always just sounds so epic. And especially at the end, the album ends with like just Kenny singing. Epic. It also ends super abruptly. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Like it just literally just cuts out. I think it's a cool way to end the album. He references it a lot. Yeah. And so. What is it? Is that like it as in advice? Like. You know, when people say, they say you should do this, like, that's how I took it, but... That part really threw me off. I was trying to figure out what that meant, and I had no idea. I think it's, like, advice. It. It. Advice. So in this case, he's saying the advice about this relationship is to just go along for the ride. Forget about the bad times. But he's like, no, you left me there to die and lose my mind. (laughs) So now I'm fighting back, and here's all the stuff I really wanted to say, and I was holding back on. Was he cheated on? Did you get the sense that he might have been cheated on in the song or? Because he's a fool? Yeah, because this person made him a fool. And to take someone for a ride is to deceive them or to cheat them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I thought maybe this was his response to being cheated on. That's what I heard. I can see it. This fool is through. He's done with it. Cue the screamo. Yeah. For whatever reason, whether he's cheated on or not, like. He makes it pretty clear where he stands in terms of the relationship, you know? It's common here. He likes to put girls on blast. Yeah. He does. Okay, so this is what? Track 11 out of 13 of relationship, ex-girlfriend? Yeah. Left Coast Envy, given the chance, and maybe the song about the friend. Yeah, yeah. could be about the friend. So we're at, we'll say, 10 and a half out of 13. I mean- Close it how you opened it, right? I love the ending. I think it's a great ending album. It's just like, boom, done. Boom. He says, hold on and 
take this ride and set aside memories of all the times when you collide then you'll leave me here to die here's the things i meant but i never said well what i love about this band and this album is that they're a local band we basically grew up with these guys we knew them because they were the guys i went to happer horsham or at least one or a couple of them did and it feels like we have some shared experiences with them because we're all from the Philly area. So I think that always kind of hit close to home. They also just had an awesome album filled with jams and things that we as preteens could really relate to. Like we said earlier, Kenny wasn't all that much older than us, so he might have written a lot of songs about his ex-girlfriend, but when he sung those... He was heard. We felt what he had to say because we could relate to that young love and maybe nothing too serious yet. But to you, it's all relative. You know, you still felt like she was the one or he was the one, even if it was your first crush or your first date or whatever it was. But oh, you mean Karina, Mike? Yeah, Karina. Exactly. Hmm. Poor Karina. She had to move to Houston. Or to space. Or, or, yes, or space. But you're right. I think some of the appeal for me was always these guys are living around the corner from me. I could bump into them at Gennardi's if I were so lucky. Gennardi's? <laughs> shout out to Monica Gennardi. Yeah, shout out to Monica. Or like Mikey Mulhern just going for a jog one day. So that was always cool. And they made it big. And the fact that they're... Still doing stuff from time to time is very encouraging to see. Yeah, that's right, Mike. They actually recently did a handful of live streams for their fans. And those were really cool to watch because they played a lot of their old songs. They still have the energy and the passion for the music that they have always had. So that was cool. And Patrice, you watched a couple of those streams, didn't you? Yeah, they had three shows. The first one, they did their second album based on a true story. The second show, they did their third album, Direction. And then the last show, they called The Best Of. And they played all of their songs from the first album, plus some things from their EPs. So it was, I mean, The Best Of was my absolute favorite show. This album is so near and dear to my heart. It just, like, brings me back. It's one of my favorite albums ever. And... I think it was pretty clear in the beginning of this podcast that I fangirled real hard and stumbled on a lot of words, but I hope I kept my cool a little bit, but um, yeah, I just really, really love the starting line. Well, they will be listening, Patrice, so no pressure. Eek. Tell me what you thought about when you Young 
Well, once again, Patrice Mulhern, the self-proclaimed biggest fan of Starting Line ever, ever, who still has all the original CD cases and liner notes from all their albums. And ticket stubs. And ticket stubs. We got to share all that. I'm a hoarder. As long as it's pop punk, it's fine. (laughs) Thank you once again for joining us on this adventure. Thank you for staying engaged with the podcast and being the huge competition winner from season one. That was massive. Thank you guys for having me. You know, I'm a huge fan. I was so excited to be on here. I hope I didn't geek out too much, but I had a great time and I can't wait to listen. And I'll see you for Based on a True Story whenever that happens. Oh, it's coming up very soon. Mm -hmm. You're always welcome back. I can't wait to hear all the other songs Kenny mentions his own name in. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. Ex-girlfriends and advice to himself. That's what I'm predicting. Patrice, you brought the perfect amount of drive and zeal for this band. That's a nice way of saying nerdy fangirl. (laughs) That's the best kind, right? We should mention we are taking a few weeks off for mid-season break. So when we come back, we'll be discussing Avril Lavigne's Let Go. We'll see you guys in a few weeks. Although there won't be new episodes, there will be new adventures if you join us. On our Instagram and Twitter at Project, drop us a line, poppunkproject at gmail.com and patreon.com slash poppunkproject. We can't wait to hear from you. Hey guys, enjoy your break from us. <laughs> we love you. We hope you had the time of your lives. Good riddance. That, was, that was good. That was good. That was better than Mike. They're always better than me. That's true. <laughs>